Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. All right, this morning I'm uh, talking about a message, that, and I really do believe if you get it, it'll change your world. It'll rock your world, change your world, change your children, change your grandchildren, which is what the Christian life's meant to be about. Too many places I go to around the world, and I've spoken in lots of places around the world over the years, and uh, meet lots of Christians, and people everywhere who are going to church, sometimes for decades, have no clue what they're doing, what's going on, how to approach church. And, uh, and I'll say to people, what's the Lord got you doing? What do you feel called to do? And they said, oh, I'm still praying about it. And I said, oh, how long have you been praying about it? Oh, 15 years. <laughs> I go, where's kids? Oh, we're binding the devil at the moment. I can't tell you the amount of times people have said that to me all over the world. Wow. And I need to say to everybody, this is not God's plan. Yeah. Yeah. This is not God's plan. Not that you be lost. Not that your children, and I mean lost about, well, what am I doing? Where am I going to be? The only reason we're lost is that usually we don't know the Word of God. And we're also not asking the right questions, which is how do I approach the Christian life? How do I approach church? Boy, I had to ask all those questions and I got saved, non-Christian background. How do I even approach church? Some people have never even thought about these questions, but they're so important because they will change generations. And, uh, and I pray that your children are not lost, but that they're serving God. Yeah. But here's the thing, everybody. Start when they're young. Yeah. Get the plan going now. Yeah. And, uh, and don't make your goal them just being in church. That is not enough. Yeah. In fact, we're not meant to go to church. We're meant to become the church. Yeah. Just so you know. But Sue and I, our goal was never for the boys to go to church. Never. Yeah. Our goal was to see our children know the Lord and then walk in the destiny for their lives. That was the only ever the goal. Church was a 101. So I want to help you get that so that you're not walking around for the rest of your life going, uh, um, well, um, maybe, or get to the end of your life, (laughs) as so many people do, and the guy goes to his wife, Ethel, was this it? (laughs) Harold, I was following you. And, uh, and be a lost couple. You need to be walking knowing I'm in my purpose for God. Yeah. I'm doing what God planned for me to do. Yes. My wife is doing what God planned for her to do. Our children are doing that and grandchildren are doing that. Yeah. And I believe the Scripture is actually instructing us in that area. But churches and pastors get caught up in so many things that many times they mean well, but they're not being biblical. And so I will keep saying, we are Global Heart Church, we are trying to be a biblical church. Yeah, I think the moment you say, we are a biblical church, you're in trouble. It's a bit proud, right? But we want to say we're aiming to be a biblical church. And, uh, and a biblical church is applying the scriptures uh, in regards to the ministry, but in regards to you. So we're going to do that. And I'm going to try and do that right now. So I'm going to go to the book of Ephesians. And my message is really entitled, He Has the Advanced Plan. He has the advanced plan. Or, if you want a shorter version, ditch your game plan for his. 
Ephesians 2 verse 10. Listen to this. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I'm going to take we out and put you in. Here we go. Ephesians 2.10. For you are God's handiwork. Full stop. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Stop. Which God prepared in advance for you to do. Full stop. Everybody... The Bible tells us that at conception, God <laughs> created you in your mother's womb. And the Bible says in Psalms that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah. When uh, Eddie was born last Monday, uh, Sue and I walked in a little bit later in the day. Well, we were invited in. Anyway, so, but we walked in and immediately there was just, there's joy as a grandparent, but there was just that joy of a new baby on the planet, right? And uh, you watch in a birthing suite, and all those who work in hospitals will know that when the baby's born in the birthing suite, there's this just joy in the birthing suite that you can't really describe. It's just, it's just this joy everybody has at this new baby. Can I just say to you, it's not just because it's a new baby that you can cuddle, it's because a person has just come to the planet who is God's handiwork, like you, who God has already in advance prepared things for them to do in their life. In their life. So, so when I walked in, Eddie, I was like, oh my gosh, and I teared up, Jordy saw me, I was teared right up. And I'm in love with my grandson, but I was also when Lord, already he has a destiny for the planet. He has things to do. He has good works. Hang on, they're good. Good works to do that you have prepared in advance. So God does not want us wandering around lost. He wants us walking in the advanced plan. And so when you become a new Christian, what happens is you start going to church. You start going to church. You start going to church. (laughs) And uh, and if if you become a real Christian, you get the early... Knowing that the praise and worship is what blesses God. The Word doesn't do a lot for the Lord because He is the Word. But your praise and worship and you coming and positioning your heart, Lord, I'm here to honour you and worship you, first thing. That just, just, you know, blesses God's heart. But God has a plan, listen everybody, to mobilise your life. And uh, wherever you've come from in life right now, can I tell you, God created you. You're God's handiwork. You're God's handiwork. You're God's handiwork. You're God's handiwork. And did you hear that? Did it go into your spirit? God has prepared things for you to do in advance. So God's not looking at you now going, oh, angels, I am at a complete loss with what I'm going to do with Him. God's not in heaven going, oh, her, honestly, I have no clue. God is not looking at you girls going, I have no clue what to do with you. God actually created you with a plan in mind. In advance, gave you gifts and talents to match the plan. How incredible is that? Gave you gifts and talents to match the plan. And it doesn't matter how you start or where you started, God says, when you surrender to me and say, Lord, I'm here, I want your advanced plan. Then God goes, 
I'll go to work in your life now. Because you get out of the driving seat of the car. All of us, all of us start out in the driving seat of the car, especially when you're not a Christian. We're all driving along doing our own thing. And then God bumps me and goes, Jerry, could you just get out, please, and go and get in the passenger seat? And uh, the good thing was, whatever was happening in my life, I said, yes, Lord, I will. And uh, I'm strong by nature. Strong opinion, can go alone, can do things. Some of you are strong people. You know, you just, you're strong by nature. Listen, that's good and not good. <laughs> good and not good. Because it'll work for you if it's surrendered to God. But otherwise your independence usually ends up in pride and we usually end up with all that that brings. But if you surrender to God, God will take your life and He will bring about His plan and purpose, which now, because I've been walking in it for 42 years, that I go, Lord, how have you done this? And you are amazing because it comes to those who realise He's the God who wants us to give Him our lives and surrender to Him and to learn to trust Him. God has a plan to mobilise your life for good. God has a plan to mobilise your life for good works. He's got a plan. It's not about just going to church. It's about having a plan to mobilise you. And here's a thought right now, because there'll be people here right now, you're in a crisis, whether it's internal or external or both. Here's the thing, if you're in a crisis right now, God is a specialist in working on your crisis. But He works on the crisis of people who invite Him in. So often we, you know, we'll we'll go to church from time to time or occasionally, and we're kind of like, Lord, I need a miracle. I'm back. <laughs> and Lord, do your miracle. You've got till Wednesday, four o'clock. Um, do a miracle and hurry up, and then we run away, and then get a bit of a miracle going. Then the miracle kind of goes away, and then we're like, I better get back to Global Heart. And we go back two months later. Lord, I'm back. Another miracle by Thursday, five thirty, please. And we don't realise that God is not moved by that. God is moved by surrender. So when Sue and I, here we were, 19, and we're 20, saying, Lord, help us now to trust You. Our parents burnt us. My dad was a terrible alcoholic, psychologically abusive, physically abusive. Sue's dad was on marriage four. He left her and her sister when they were eight. Key moment in their lives. We have every reason not to trust. Every reason. Whatever reasons you've got, come and talk to us. I'll give you 10 more. But we had to say, Jesus, help us to trust. Because we have not had fathers who we've been able to trust. Help us to trust you. Here's the thing, everybody. When you ask God for help, He helps. When you ask God, give us grace to trust you. God goes, His grace. What happens is we don't ask. We need to ask and say, Lord, give me the grace. Give us your help. And God began to help Sue and I, who'd been so burnt by our dads, and began to realise that Father, our Father God could be trusted. I hear some crazy, weird churches around the world, these little weird churches say, I saw a guy praying on the internet saying, Mother God. I'm like, what the are you? Have you been taking drugs? <laughs> some kind of people-pleasing thing. Listen, God has never revealed Himself in the Scripture ever as a mother. He is a Father. He is a Father. And why is that? Because we need a father, because fathers are meant to, here's what they're meant to do, protect you. They're meant to protect you and lead you and love you. They're meant to bring love, affirmation and affection. That's what fathers are meant to bring to our lives. 
and, uh, and they bring so much, but they're protectors first and foremost. That's why in God's Word, God's Word says, hey, do this. Come on, this is going to bless you. Yeah. And then He says, hey, uh, don't do that. Yeah. Because fathers are protecting. Yeah. They're keeping their children from walking into a car on the road. Yeah. And uh, I'm just having a little smile now myself because uh, I was talking about how Jordan, when he was young, Jordan was a runner. So we'd be standing there and Jordan would run. And then soon I, when we had church in London, we had church in a high school in North London all years ago. And we just looked away from Jordan for one second. This is in a high school. Jordan went through three different sections of the high school gates. He would have been nearly three, I think, and was out the gates and was walking down the street in London. And one of our church family saw our three-year-old and walked him back through the three gates back into the meeting. <laughs> so now that I see Micah, I'm like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Payback. Wow. That's just so you reap, baby. Anyway. But when we went, Sue and I were on the way back from Sydney, where I was originally from, and then we were going to London. We went via Los Angeles. So we thought Disneyland with the kids, right? And then we suddenly realised, oh, yeah, we have Jordan with us. And so in those days, I don't think they do anymore, but they used to have the long, do they? Well... Well, they had the reins that were like, I'm not joking, this was a rain. It was like, it was so long. Anyway, and so we were in Disneyland with Jordan with a rain on. And it's so long. And I've got American parents saying to me, oh my God, you've got a lead on your child. She said, you, you, are you treating your child like a dog? Oh my God, they're saying to me. And I said, now listen here. I said, we want to see this child at his 21st birthday. And currently... If I have no lead on him, the, the chances of that happening are slim. So we'll lead the lead on. Thanks so much. You now all the American parents advising me. And then I, I remember once, well, actually, I was talking to one of them too about it. Next minute, I've got this tug. I was like a shark. Oh, no, he's over there, Sue. And then Sue goes, I'm not getting him. All right. Mm. Guess what? Fathers are protective. God's trying to protect you, everybody. He's trying to protect you. Because he's got a plan in advance. Sue and I had a plan in advance for Jordan. 21st birthday was one of them. But he's in his plan that God has for him now. He just became the location pastor here in Perth. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. But God wants us to give him our crisis. Give him everything. Uh, you know, God's also a specialist at making storms work for you. When Sue and I both, we got, became Christians from non-Christian homes, non-Christian backgrounds, and we were like an internal storm, an external storm, and we just threw ourselves at Jesus and said, look, we need help. And he's learned from that. If you throw yourself at Jesus, He'll throw heaven at you. If you throw yourself at Jesus, He'll throw heaven at you. And I'm like, well, who am I ever going to marry? And I probably can't get married because my family's so crazy. And then God goes, no, throw yourself at me and I'll throw Sue at you. <laughs> well done, God. So you, everybody, we were so used to trying to control the deal. Let me control that, control my relationships. I know better. I know better. I know better. I... Do you really want to lose two words in your vocabulary? Absolutely lose them. They're these two words. Oh, I know. I know, oh, I know. Oh, I got it, I know. The amount of times that I've taken me 30 years to get a revelation as a Christian or as a pastor about something, and I've shared it with somebody who's got saved two years ago, and they're like, oh, I know, Pastor Jared. 
I'm like, well, how do you know? I just found out last week. They don't know. They're just so used to saying, I know, that they don't realise that they actually don't know. Everybody, there's so much you don't know. But if you keep saying, I know, you'll never know. That was good, eh? I thought that was quite good. So I stopped doing it. Got somebody talking. I'm not saying, oh, I know. I'm saying, what can I learn from that? How can I get wisdom from this Christian who's walking it out well? How can I glean from their family? How can I glean from their life? What can I glean? They're following God. It's, it's going good. Their children are serving God. This is how, what can I learn? Don't say I know. Say, give me what you got because I don't know. And you may just become the wisest person in the room. There we go. And by the way, the broken pieces again. God can turn your broken pieces into masterpieces in one generation. God can turn your broken pieces into masterpieces. And uh, soon I think, I think we used to think, how would we ever be parents? How would we be married? Because of what happened in our childhoods. And we just threw ourselves at God and got planted in God's house. You have to be planted in the house. Psalm 92 verse 13, those planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. Not those who attend occasionally. You shall be a pot plant and track bugs and parasites. Amen. Amen. Got to be a tall tree. God wants you planted like an oak tree in the house of God, attracting eagles, not pot plants that attract bugs and parasites. But there's so many people in the Christian world and then who are lost. Jesus doesn't want you lost. He wants you going, I'm walking in this plan. How does that work? So when I got saved and we're in God's house and the next minute, People were asking us, Could, would you help with this? And uh, Sue said yes. And I was like, no, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I like doing that. <laughs> Gosh, I was a handful. <laughs> Steve Kelly told me I left church six times and he brought me back six times. I don't think that's true. <laughs> Three. Steve just said five. <laughs> but I had to learn to say, hey, Lord, I'm here to help where they're asking me to help. And I learned to say to the pastors, where do you want me to help? And then they'd look at me like, oh my gosh, let me think that through. <laughs> What's he going to do to people? <laughs> and they had good reason. But Sue and I, as we started to help and began to help in God's house and began to serve, God began to heal us, teach us, give us wisdom, give us understanding, change our character, uh, change our control issues, <laughs> touch our control issues. And basically Sue discipled me, so it was great. <laughs> she, was, she was just humbling herself towards the Lord all the time. And I was like, oh, okay, Jesus, amen. <laughs> I'm married to Miss Humility, help me. And, uh, but we both ended up saying, Lord, we're just surrendering to you. Yeah. And then from that, God has taken us on an incredible journey yeah. where he's blessed us, blessed our family, but we've been able to help a lot of people both here and around the world. And here's what we discovered. Wow, you had a plan in advance. Yeah. You had a plan in advance. Yeah. I was living in the Bronx when I got saved. Oh my gosh, I used to go out the front door in the morning to go to high school and look out to see who's on the street. We live in one of the roughest suburbs. My mum's family was super wealthy. My dad's family, we were just, oh my gosh, alcoholics, etc. and on and on and on. Dad drank us from the nicest suburb to the worst. And uh, he, he certainly achieved in that area. And, uh, but God looks at me and goes, hey, put gifts and talents in you. And even though you find yourself in the worst suburb in Sydney, pretty well, uh, I'm going to take you from there and actually we'll use you internationally. 
Like, if you had told me that then, I would have thought, you're crazy. You've been smoking the, the big stuff. <laughs> that ain't going to happen. But God says, no, I put gifts and talents in you. What the devil meant for evil, Romans 8, 28. What the devil means for evil, God will turn around for good. God will turn around for good. So let God turn your broken pieces into masterpieces. In Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 13, the Bible teaches us, and this is so missed by pastors, apostles, evangelists, Christians. The Bible actually teaches us, and Paul's actually speaking who is uh, I think personally the greatest Christian writer in the New Testament and one of the greatest Christian leaders. And he's addressing the ministry gifts in the church. I don't know if you know this, the Bible talks about five ministry gifts that God gives to the church and they're gifts to the church. They're not things that you try and come up with. You don't do a course to be a ministry gift. It's something that God puts in you at conception. And when you're born again, God starts bringing alive that calling. And so I'm going to read to you about those gifts and what they're there for as Paul addressed them in Ephesians and is addressing pastors and leaders uh, all over the world in what they're to do. And here's what he said. Now, these gifts Christ gave to the church are the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility is to get the biggest Instagram account, show the latest Mercedes they're driving and their holiday and their preaching schedule. <laughs> their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work. Full stop. Let's stop right there. Right there, the job of the ministry gifts at Global Heart Church is to equip you, His people, to do His work, which He prepared in advance for you to do. And so uh, when you look at our pastoral team, I just in the last service talking about how we've got great pastors in our team, um, Pastor Luke, um, Pastor Mark, Pastor Mari. If I talk about pastoral gifts, they've got other gifts as well. They're multi, multi-taskers, these people, multi-gifted. But they always come out with this pastoral gift of caring and insight and discernment yeah. with people. Yeah. That is not something you're trained in, though you should still be trained to be a pastor. Yeah. Uh, but it's on their life. Yeah. And I was thinking about when Luke was up on the stage in the first service, I had a little flashback. Luke, who's one of our great pastors, and you saw him on the stage doing announcements and prayer. He's such a pastor, he know it, but when his mother came to church, when we started church here, uh, Trish used to come to me, is she in this service? I don't know if she's here. No, she's sliding. Anyway, no, no. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> we'll pray after. No, she's not. But Trish used to come to me and say, uh, with Luke's dad, in fact, Pray for Luke because he's so lost. He's so wayward. He's got drug issues. He's got this issue. And they'd be like, oh my gosh, he's really bad. <laughs> like, and needs help. And, uh, and so, yeah, anyway. Jazz says he's perfect now, right, Jazz? Oh, she goes, she gave a thumbs up. Yeah. Anyway. But we prayed for Luke, right? He wasn't in our church. He was, had a, such a Cockney accent from London. Now he sounds pretty Aussie, eh? Such a Cockney ac- accent when he came to church. And, uh, and then Luke gave his life to the Lord. The moment Luke gave his life to the Lord, now the Holy Spirit started working his life, but the enemy then comes to him to move him from church. When you get saved, the enemy comes to move you from God's house. 
He gets you, I gotta get you out of church. I gotta move you so that you be ineffective. So you don't get a breakthrough in your life. And so your children walk in blindness and your grandchildren walk in blindness. And the work of the devil continues in your family for generations. But Luke stayed in church and then now you are blessed. He's a gift to the church. The gifting on his life was a pastor. And so if you know Luke, you're being blessed by him or Mark or Mari. If you get around them, you'll be blessed because the Bible says they're a gift to the church. A gift, not natural, supernatural gifts to the church. So you should hug a pastor today. That's what you should do. (laughs) But... (laughs) But honour our pastoral team, honour our various teams. Davinia gets up, right? Davinia gets up and you go, all right, Bible teacher, ministry gift. Davinia's a gift to the church in that moment she gets up. I feel like I'm at a conference. (laughs) I'm in conference with Davinia. Gift, not natural, supernatural ministry gift born at conception in her to teach. You have a gift, but it may not be a ministry gift. It's other gifts, but you have an absolute part to play in the kingdom. So God raises us up to equip you, it says here. And our responsibility is to equip God's people, that's you, to do His work in your job in IT, to do His work as a mother at home. Greatest ministry you can ever have is be a mother or a father. Number one ministry, girls, that's number one. I don't care what job you or CEO you could be of a company. Second rate, being a mother or being a father. But being a mother is the number one career move in the world because you are influencing generations. I honour all our mothers, all our grandfathers, and I honour the dads too. Dads, we need a bit more work. But anyway, but the, but the mums, the greatest thing you can do is minister to your children. And I thank God for my wife, Sue. She has just ministered to our boys. I told you, I used to sneak up on her when she had a double buggy pram and she'd be acting out the story of Goliath with him walking down the street in North Finchley in London. And then Goliath came along, but David, <laughs> they were little boys. The boys were like this. <laughs> and my wife's like, I've got to get the word into them. got to get the word into them. And now they're mighty men of God, right? So that is the greatest calling. But God says works of service as a doctor, as a teacher, in sport, as an orthopaedic surgeon. Uh, what else have we got? Physiotherapist, whatever you are, God will have you out there and your role out in the world may be pastoral uh, in one of those roles. It may be you're uh, out there evan- as an evangelist. God had me in two jobs before I went to Bible college, or three jobs, and I was either pastoring or evangelising in all three of them long before I became a pastor. God has a role for you or making finance for the kingdom of God. Some people are like, you touch things and money comes. Others touch things and money goes. (laughs) Work out what your touch is. And if it was the last one, don't take your credit card when you go to Lakeside. Leave it at home. Anyway, wisdom right there. But we've all got something. And, uh, but out in the world, you may be called to just finance the Kingdom of God. That is an incredible calling and so needed. We're all called to give. And Romans 12 describes the gifts for the church. In case you're thinking, what are the gifts for the church? Check out Romans 12. But we are all called to give, but some people are anointed for it. I've got friends who they touch things and money comes. That is not natural. That is supernatural. And it's part of the calling on their life. So our role as uh, pastors, prophets, apostles, teachers, evangelists is to equip the church for their work in the community and then 
to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Everyone, just so you get this, we're called to equip you for out in the uh, world, but we're called to equip you for here in the church as well. And the Bible is saying right here to be mature in the Lord. Okay, let me just put the clarity on that. All right, everybody who doesn't ever serve in a church anywhere, you cannot be mature as a Christian if you do not operate in a place of service in the church God called you to. It's impossible. That was so beautifully received, I'm going to say it one more time. (laughs) You cannot become a mature Christian unless you take the posture of a servant and, and, and are carrying the heart of the house and serving somewhere in the house of God as a Christian. It's impossible. 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 I usually find people who don't serve suddenly become Bible theologians. It's amazing. They know Daniel Sento's. They know who the Antichrist is. They're on to everything. (laughs) Some people make their goal in life to know who the Antichrist is. Why would you do that? Get up to heaven and go, Jesus, I know who the Antichrist is. He goes, wow, who knew? (laughs) The goal for believers is to build his house. And then as we all build each other up, listen, building each other up, edifying each other, serving and loving each other, in that your character is being changed, your wisdom is coming, you're being shaped to becoming more like Christ. You, he, is, he's the cre- he created you. Yeah. And then comes to earth and He says, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. Yeah. Jesus comes and serves humanity. How can we ever grow as a Christian if the Saviour and the Creator of the world Created us, came as a servant, and then we're like, oh, no, you know, I kind of like doing the movie on Saturday, on Sunday, and I like this over here, and I've got my thing over here, and, you know, and I do mahjong, actually, when church is on. Look, so many people miss what God has got because they never stop and say, Lord, I'm here. What would you like me to do? How do I help, Lord? How do I start? And that is the beginning, in actual fact, of insight into what God will have for you to do out of the church. What He wants you to do in the community out there in Jesus' Name. But maturity comes from service, 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 service. Sue and I have matured over the years. I was watching Sue speak yesterday and when I first met her, she was a quiet, broken girl from her life. She was speaking yesterday and I thought, is she a quiet, broken girl now? She has an authority and anointing on her life and spoke such truth, but it comes from service. It comes from service. Four decades, four decades. Come on. My quote for the weekend, Charles Spurgeon said this, and I'm just loving it. He said, discernment is not knowing right from wrong. It's knowing right from almost right. Discernment is not knowing right from wrong. Usually, really, that's our conscience. It's knowing right from almost right. Everybody, this is the Christian life. There's a lot of Christians who are, yeah, I think this is right. I think it's right. Comes with a song (laughs) and, you know, some Christian environment. But it's almost right. Because what we're meant to do, and I'll just finish with this, and I'll continue this later because it's so good, (laughs) is what we're meant to do is we're meant to be 
understanding that God has a purpose for us in the house of God and then out of the house of God. The devil gets into people's lives uh, so many times because they don't understand there's a purpose for them in the house and a purpose out. How many people are in addiction and they're in, you know, it might be sexual addiction, alcoholic addiction, drug addiction, and uh, the world thinks they're so cool being sex addicted. No, you're empty. And you're driven by your emptiness. And though you feast, you're starving. You're feasting and starving and following the world. But in actual fact, you're entangled and snared. The setup of that is usually our parents. Many times our parents, not meaning it, no understanding themselves, usually broken in their own lives, pass it to their children. And in our emptiness, we try to fill our lives and comfort ourselves with addictions. My mother would comfort us with carbs round the clock. There was a problem, she'd make six hamburgers. Who's that for? You and your brother. Everybody's trying to comfort, right? But ultimately, no one is comforted and then people have addictions here, there and pain. So God comes to be the source of comfort and healing in your life. He's the source. If you're struggling in your life, Jesus is the source. Go to the source. Go to the source. And then people, the church, listen, are the supplement. God puts the lonely in families. Sue and I both didn't have family around. We were like, and the family did have, we're so unwell. And we're in church and God starts putting aunties and uncles around us, spiritual aunties and uncles, brothers and sisters around us. Can I encourage you, the culture's got us, everybody's sexualizing everybody. Can I encourage you in the house of God, see the men as a brother in the Lord. See the girls as a sister in the Lord. Everybody give each other honour, give each other respect. Don't follow the culture and sexualize everybody. That's just complete dysfunction. They're all feasting and starving. They've all got the addictions behind the scenes. Oh my gosh, the stuff that I get to see, right? So what happens is all that's there, but your way out of that is go to the source, go to the supplement, the house of God, let build right relationships, listen, and then begin to walk in the purpose of God in the house and out of the house. So and I've told the boys forever, we are called as a family. We're called as a family. You have a great purpose. We tell the boys when they were young, in the house, out of the house. And so now we watch, I love Nathan, my middle son, such an amazing guy, amazing man of God, was such an incredible uh, child. And now to see him, he's got his two businesses, he's overseeing our business ministry here. He's in the worship team, or he used to be, why is he not there, come back. And, uh, and he's also doing influential, but he's got a ministry in the house and out of the house. And those boys, there's not addiction. We, Sue and I would be seriously unwell people today, but addiction's broken off. They got purpose. Listen, everybody, purpose overcomes temptation. Purpose overcomes temptation. Vision overcomes temptation. Uh, Let me say this, vision overcomes depression. When you took a place of service, I felt so flat when I got saved. I I was really happy I became Christian. I had this joy, it just never radiated on the outside. (laughs) And I was happy, I was really happy I got saved, no doubt about it. But when I began to serve, it was like God started to heal me of this flatness, this depression, this weight. And I think Sue would say the same. It started to break over us. And God began to minister. It's like as you serve, God says, I'm serving you. As you serve, I'm serving you. As you love, I'm loving you. 
And God began to heal us in the middle of our dysfunction. Everybody, that's why it's so important. It's not only just what we're doing to help other people, it's what's happening that's helping you. And so I wanna encourage you, be a person of great service. Don't live a Christian life that's almost right. Let discernment come today to show, to help you know what is right, which is that I've got a purpose in the house and a purpose out. And if I wanna mature as a Christian, start in the house in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.